0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another fun-filled edition of Soap Floor. I'm your hostess with the mostest jet on what we like to call Falcon Crest Fridays or FCF. I hope everybody's doing well. We're going to jump right into episode 10, Confrontations. This episode should actually be called Confrontations, Calculations, and Considerations because there's a lot that is revealed, a surprise I never saw coming. Never saw coming. A storyline I thought that was going to flop is really producing some super suds. We're going to open with the bit player, Phil. The show opens up with Phil on a lunch date with this beautiful blonde lady who admires him. She's just, every word he says, she's hanging on to. Oh my goodness, Phil. (laughs) You know, they're real cute, real cute. Philip is having some sort of relationship with Angela, but he confirms this day that the relationship that he and Angela has is very mentally sexy. They are very—they're all—they're like one person mentally, very close companions. But according to Phil, physically, it's platonic. At least that's what he wants everyone—he wants Blondie to believe. Last week, we understood that Joseph had made a full recovery, and this week, Melissa and Baby returned home from the hospital, much to Lance's chagrin. When asked by Angela why he didn't pick his wife and baby up from the, almost said from the airport, from the hospital, he says, oh, no, he he's, he lies. He says he overslept. No worries, though. Chow Lee and a nurse are there to greet Melissa and baby. Didn't know this, but I guess if you're wealthy and you live in Tuscany Valley, nurses come home with you from the hospital when you have a newborn, Listen, I would have. Oh, man, I think that's a good idea. Not for nothing. We should work that into our healthcare system. Maybe a nurse comes with you for about two weeks. I think that'd be amazing. Anyway, Melissa has no time. She has carried this seven pound baby for nine months. She never touches the kid. For the next couple of episodes, I'm kind of amused how little physical contact she has with the baby. Do you recall last week I said um, the doctor from Europe. Your- told her that the baby needed love and she needed like basically what we would call today skin to skin. She needed to hold him. (laughs) She very awkwardly hold the kid. She was holding him like a football and she just put her head on his head. Anyway, the baby's home. Everyone's pumped except Lance. Over at the Giobertes, Cole is stewing and not stewing. He has a baby now. He understands that he has a baby and he still wants Melissa quiet as kid. But he needs a job. So he, he asked Chase to get him a job at Falcon Crest. Ever since the merger, ever, well, ever since Chase took his rightful seat on the throne and embraced his new swag, Falcon Crest afforded them work. Him and Cole don't need to be out in the field working as hard anymore because Falcon Crest has people to do that for them. So Cole has a lot of time on his hand. He also has a lot on his mind and he finally tells Chase that he knocked up Melissa. Now at first, Chase gives him the side eye because even he has heard about Melissa's reputation. And it's hard to believe that she and Lance, who also has the same reputation, never came together for real, for real. But he also had a feeling that the kid could be Kohl's. As they're having a father and son heart to heart, the fabulous Jacqueline calls, so Chase has to go and handle that, And he's relieved. He tells Vicky that that was the hardest thing he's ever had to say out loud. Jacqueline announces that she is coming into town. So Chase calls Maggie, who's in LA working on her movie, or the script at least. They're not filming. They're doing all the edits to the script. So Maggie starts making plans to fly home only. Well, let's back up a little bit. Ever since Chase has decided to kind of track down Angela's wrongdoings, And Maggie has been working on this movie script. They haven't had a lot of time to come together. You know, there's no grown sexy time, if you know what I'm saying. Between all the script rewrites and Chase working to gather all these receipts on Angela's schemes, the downtown meetings, it's becoming increasingly difficult for them to link up and, and rest. Wink wink as a couple. Chase really learns this the hard way one trip when he goes down to LA to not only meet with the accountant, but to meet up with Maggie. And he plans to just, you know, go have this meeting and come right back. But he shows up to the hotel two and a half hours late, later than he planned to be. And he finds that Maggie and Daryl, the producer, are already working on the script together. So he feels kind of weird and he leaves. So when Maggie gets this call, Daryl is still there with her. And she wants to go home and clean up. Basically, she has to get the house ready for the fabulous Jacqueline. Only Daryl's talking to her and he's like, listen, you have three. You have a husband. You have two whole full grown kids. There's three adults there that can clean up. Why don't you come to my place? Let's go to Malibu, baby. I've got this dope view. Ocean front. You can be on the beach. My house is like it's decked out. Everything's there. It'll it'll be awesome. Why don't you just come with me? And she sits and she thinks about this and she's like, yeah, they are adults. I mean, they can probably handle a mop and a broom. They're fine. Besides, like, don't they work outside all day clipping grapes and whatnot? No disrespect to people who run a vineyard. I just, I don't know a lot about it. So Malibu actually turns out to be a fantastic plan. Maggie gets there and she's able to bang out most of the rewrites in no time. And this is where producer Daryl shoots his sleazy shot. Now, at first, she's able to thwart his advances. You know, I think he tries to kiss her, make a move while they're typing. She just kind of does, you know, she does the Fonzie, slicks her hair back, flips her hair and continues to type. But then they decide to take a swim. Actually, they don't swim. She swims in the ocean nonetheless. So she's out on the beach. She comes back in from the Pacific and she's just like really invigorated. You know, you got to think about this. When we first met Maggie, she was a freelance magazine writer. She has then turned that into a career where she's a reporter. Now she's writing a movie script. Like this is a writer's dream. And it's just like, it's all coming together. So between the fresh saltwater air, the, the sand between her toes, the the excitement of the project she's working on, it's just, it's all a lot. You know, she's kind of caught up in the moment. There's Daryl holding a plush robe. He wraps her in it and they kiss. I say they. He reaches in for the kiss. She receives said kiss. Back up and they kiss again. Maggie. Maggie. So after they kiss and they're kind of holding each other, he's holding her because she's wet and like salty water. You know, he's got the robe around her. He tells her, why don't you use the bathroom downstairs to shower and I'll be waiting for you. Upstairs. Sure enough, she uses his carpeted bathroom, showers downstairs, and after showering, Maggie takes a good look at herself in the mirror. Meanwhile, daryl's upstairs waiting for her in his own bathroom And when he comes down, he finds her packing all her stuff up. She's fully dressed. She had a she had a moment of clarity. Once she was in the bathroom, and she had to face herself. She had this moment of clarity. She packs up her stuff and she's like, Daryl, I wish I had seen through this. You you brought me here to seduce me. And he swears up and down. He's like, no, I mean, no, yes, yes, I did. I just felt like there's something, there's something there between us. She's like, dude, this just ain't for me. Sorry, you're not my type. My type is at home. My type is happily married. But she returns home to the aviated Adonis only to find out that she is a grandmom. She's a Mimi now. Thankfully for her, this is just the sort of distraction that is needed so that she doesn't have to have that conversation with Chase about what really happened down in Malibu. Vicky pops her head in this episode just a little bit. She's still running with the coach. What's his name? Nick. Nick is still her running coach. But Vicky is increasingly thirsty. She's not doing a very good job of putting up that boundary and keeping that line between friendship and otherwise. She pretends to have a cramp, right? And she's, Oh, my leg, I think I'm catching a cramp. And he goes over to help her massage it out. And she asks about his wife suddenly for the next couple of episodes. she's very interested in the inner workings of his marriage. Why doesn't your wife run? And he's like, it's just not her thing. Blah, blah, blah. Remember this for later. Angie is still pressing Chase for Emma's proxy, but of course, he's almost amused by this at this point, and he continues to tell her no. But here's the thing. If Angela keeps buying stocks at the rate that she is buying them, she won't actually need Emma's shares after all. As a matter of fact, on this episode, she's on track to basically own most of the globe by the end of the week, and her and Philip are just really filling themselves and gloating that doesn't last very long, though. Richard calls a meeting with Angela. The stocks come up within the meeting very quickly because, you know, she calls him the bastard son. She doesn't have time for any of his foolishness, and she only wants to see him face to face. Just so you can kind of look at the look on his face. She wants to drink in his discomfort when he finds out how much of his company that she actually owns. Richard is a lot like Angela because he, he T2 only called the meeting and showed up so that he could see the look on her face. He's very strategic in any information that he delivers to her. So he explains that because a company is doing so well as you as they would know, as she and Philip would know. He did a little research and within the the company bylaws there is a clause that would allow him to expand on the basis of modernizing the company. So he tells her that he's going to add 2 million shares to the company, knowing that there's no way she can come up with all this money to buy 2 million shares. Now, if she did, she'd have to put up a lot of collateral, i.e. Falcon Crest. So Philip asked about the FRC permission and Richard's like, dude, say les." He knows what's up. He's already done his homework and he knows that Angela's really stretched thin. When they leave, she doesn't kick them out, but she practically kicks them out. She tells Phil, stop playing with me. I'm ready to risk it all. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it takes. I I will own that company. Side note, although I can respect this mindset, it's like you really got to focus on one enemy at a time. Angela at this point has... She's got Chase she's worrying about. She's worrying about Melissa's who still hasn't decided to sell her dad's. Let's call her the Agretti. She hasn't sold the Agretti place to her. She's got Richard who has just as much money, just as much power backing him. She's pressed, but she's she's, she's seeing red. <laughs> Something tells me not to doubt Angie though. She is the perm rock god. She's been doing this for a long time. I'm telling you, women with hair that close to their heads mean business. I also love the fact that she always calls Richard Douglas' bastard Douglas's bastard son. Like, why do we need to throw that in? She's reeling, and Philip—he—he's listening. To her, you know, he's kind of letting her go off for a second. he's like, "Hey, I think I know a guy. He might be hard, Angie. I don't know if I can get him. He seems to be pretty straight cut. He's not. I don't know if he can be bought." She's like, Psh, "Anybody and everybody can be bought." work on them. So he's like, all right, great. So the turns out the guy's name is Kenderson and he turns out to not be such a boy scout after all, he has a raging drug addiction and that's music to Angela's ears. They formulate a plan to basically let Kenderson underwrite all 2 million shares, which would thwart Richard's plan. I don't know a lot about stocks, but basically Kenderson comes in. They don't even have to blackmail him at first because he understands that right underwriting 2 million new shares is a huge profit for himself personally he's focused on the bag richard is playing chess not checkers he calls philip up one day and he's like hey dude would you like to come and work for me i can make it worth your while it'll be awesome now right away Phil's like nah man i don't want to i don't want to do all that and and richard's like okay fine well thank you for coming down and this this flips philip a little bit so this is the first time i've seen him or second or third time actually He's never not been loyal to Angela, but he is definitely, you can see that he's tempted, if nothing else. So he asks, he regrets saying no. And he asks Richard if he can have a little more time to think about it. And Richard's like, nah, I'm good. Remember that stretching business I was talking about earlier with Vicky? <laughs> with Vicky? I don't know why my voice sounded like Mickey, but Vicky is running a 10K She's doing really well. Side note, this is another costume choice that I am all here for. Every time Vicky steps out to run, she looks like a solid gold dancer. She looks amazing. She's always got on a really cute outfit. This one is gray, like a gray tank top and running shorts. And she usually has on like a headband. She just looks awesome, right? She looks very dressed up. But baby girl is running in pantyhose. Make that make sense. I have to diverge just a little bit here on this on this episode. Growing up, I spent a lot of time in church too. Back in the 80s or late, you know, late 80s, early 90s, back in the day, little girls wore pantyhose a lot. I hated the feet. it was the worst thing ever to have my mom help me with those stupid pantyhose and she'd like pinch my legs not on purpose but to pull them up and then you get a run on them it's a thing you are super hot I don't mind them so much now I guess we would call them tights they look a little bit different but oh she's running in pantyhose and baby blue now anyone who's ever worn anything light blue any pastel colors you know it's it's fine if you're inside in the air-conditioned climate but if you're out running around You're going to sweat through that. I don't care who you are, but not Vicky. Vicky can run a 10K in pantyhose, adding another, what, you know, six or seven degrees of heat to her body doesn't sweat through that blue. She looks fantastic. So she runs this 10K and she crosses the finish line. Her family's there to cheer her on, of course. And she sees her running coach and his wife, Sheila. Now she sees them and she didn't want to go over and say hi, but of course her parents are oblivious to everything that's going on. So they go over and they're like, Hey, how's it going? Sheila, this is blah, 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 They make the introductions. And Sheila looks at Vicky, who's, you know, glistening with sweat and beautiful. And once they walk away, she looks over at her husband. And she's like, Oh, okay. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. She reaches her hand out to shake Vicky's hand. And she goes, Oh, you're the one who gets the leg cramps. Like what? What a bizarre, what a bizarre thing to say. Once they leave, she asked Nick, the wife that is, uh, you didn't tell me, why didn't you tell me she was like young and so attractive? So she's obviously got a little bit of a problem with it, but I thought, girl, don't show your cards. Why would you say, oh, you're the one with the leg cramps? Like, okay, uh, mm, and what, what an idiot. Why would Nick even mention that? There's no need to bring that up in conversation. I don't care how innocent that was. I don't care if they are the best of besties with six feet of distance between the two of them don't tell your wife you're rubbing leg cramps out for anybody for anybody so in a buzzer beater scene chase walks in angie's house and drops a bomb if this is your first time listening to soap floor thank you for staying with me this long i don't i don't make up anything but i do take creative liberties from time to time to give you the essence of a scene versus the actual full on dialogue. Welcome to Soap Floor Theatre. I am going to react reenact this scene for you. So let's set the stage. It's night. Angela is in her study, quietly and diabolically, figuring out how she can ruin Richard's life and Chase's life and whoever else stands in her way. Philip, the lawyer, is in the house. He must be in the bathroom or Getting a glass of water because he's not in the scene just yet. Enter unannounced, mind you, Chase Gilbert. Chase strolls in in his aviators that I love so much, dripping with swag, and is like, "Hey, Auntie, Whew, I'm so tired. I've been all over the place." Now, Auntie Angela is scurrying through papers. She's like, "Oh, I don't, I don't care. I don't care what you've done. What do you want? Why are you here?" Chase sits down and makes himself comfortable. He says, Cole's going to start working for Falcon Crest tomorrow. He's going to have a job here. Um, I'm thinking he should probably be working with Lance. You know, he's, he's a quick study before he can finish. Angela's like, no, 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 baby. She turns and I turn it. No, no, no. Listen, listen. I don't have money for all that. I ain't got no money. I'm about to start laying people off. As a matter of fact, I can't do it. No, nah. can't do it. By this time, Philip has entered the room. Chase is like, oh, good, Philip, you're here. So um, my son, Cole, is going to work here. He's going to start working for Falcon Crest. Angie's like, little boy, if you don't quit playing, get out of my office. He's not. No. Guess who's not working here? Cole. I don't have the money. I told you now. Quit playing with me. Chase is like, no, 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 auntie. I got it. I got it. Say less. Say less. I've got it all worked out. So you know all those European corporations that you invest in? Well, it turns out you have been moving money to those and using them as a personal holding. I don't know money like that, so I don't know what she's saying. Turns out you own all of the European companies. And she's like, oh, what, what, what? stay out of my business. Stay out of my purse, Chase. What are you talking about? Not only is this questionable, Auntie, this is illegal. I'm assuming... That these were loans, and that you're not robbing FC blind, and that you're going to pay those back immediately, right? Once you pay those back, that's exactly where my son's salary is going to come from, right? Think you're going to do that, or I'm going to I'm going to report you to the feds. End scene. I'll sue. No, rejoin scene. I will sue you, Auntie. I'll do it. I'll do it. Stop playing with me. Oh my god. End scene. Angela is shook. She's like, oh my God, this kid never stops. I get one step ahead. I'm going to take over Douglas's bastard son's company. And then here comes this little brat. Oh, to add insult to injury, Chase saunter. He, wake, he stands up and he kind of saunters off and he's like, oh, and by the way, my mom's coming tomorrow. Angela hates Jacqueline and Jacqueline hates Angela. So it's just like, oh. It adds insult to injury. Once Chase leaves, Angela, of course, turns to Philip, like, he can't do that. And he's like, I don't know, Angie. I don't know, baby girl. Doesn't look like you have a choice. You're gonna have to pony up. You're gonna have to pay it back. Like, there's I don't think there's anything you can do about it. And she's like, psh. I am the perm rod god. I threw a man over a cliff, set his body on fire, and I'm still walking free, no handcuffs. I please. I ain't worried about the little boy. I can handle Chase and that bastard son of Douglas's. But what does Jacqueline want? The only person who scares Angela Channing is Jacqueline. Why? Guess we'll have to find out next week. Join me next Friday on Falcon Cast Friday as we continue the saga. Great episode. I didn't know Maggie would ever step out and that means she didn't fully step out but the fact that she even entertained it i really did think that her storyline wasn't going to come to anything but hey i'm here for this is why it's a soap opera right i highly recommend that you watch this on free v which if you have a roku tv it's one of the channels if you have amazon prime it's also one of the channels it's formerly imbd tv so hurry, just just do it. Trust me, you'll enjoy it. First season was a little slow. And I, of course, leave out several singings in most episodes so that you can enjoy the story in its fullness. If you're someone who's like, please don't spoil all of it for me. Baby, this is what we do. This is 40 plus years ago now. And it's, it's amazing. Great writing. This season, they're a lot less cookie cutter Brady Bunch. And they're actually getting into some real drama, weaving a wonderful web for us all to enjoy. Hey, Join me every Friday for Falcon Curse Friday as we move through this incredible story. Also join me tomorrow. We will pick up on the latest episode, well, <laughs> latest, the next episode of Dallas. I believe it's still Jay and I on this episode. It's a continuum. I think we're doing Kidnapped. Enjoy the rest of your day and remember to keep all your drama on TV.